Hello and welcome to Lore Watch Roundtable Freeform discussion about lore and World of Warcraft and some other games at some point, but not this week. This week is a very special week and I've got both of my wonderful co-hosts with me today. First up, you all know him well. He is the other lore columnist over on uh, Blizzard Watch and that would be Rossi, Matt Rossi. Say hi, hey. Rossi. Hey, How are you doing? Eh, I'm alive. Um, right now, I'm. Let's just introduce Joan. Let's go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we have a lot to cover. Um, and then, of course, our other columnist who usually writes shaman stuff, but he is a lore aficionado as well. That would be Joe Perez. Hey, Joe. Well, hello there, everybody. I've actually decided to change my name to Lore Walker Loader as a result of this uh, this recent release. Uh, if they ever put me in as an NPC, I kind of want to be a lore walker. <laughs> Dude, if we if, if the three of us if the three of us ever make it into the game as NPCs, if we're not lore historians or lore walkers or archivists of some manner, that that means that they don't really know us, and that'll make me very sad. I mean, I'll be happy I'm in the game, but you know, I know. Still sad. So, uh... I know I'm gonna I'm going to be a dude who doesn't have his shoulders. <laughs> That's who I'm gonna be. Why don't you have any shoulder armor? That is a good question, isn't it? <laughs> All right, so. Um... I'm going to preface this entire episode by saying we are going to talk about World of Warcraft Chronicle Volume 1. All three of us have a copy of the thing. All three of us have read it a couple of times over at least. Um, And this entire show is going to be full of spoilers for the book. So if you are not interested in hearing any spoilers for the book and you're listening to this on Patreon... I totally understand. Book isn't released till Tuesday. <laughs> so you can go ahead, duck out, come back at that point in time. Uh, if you don't care and you just want to hear what's what, stick around because we're going to get right into it. Um, and there's no way we're covering the entire book in one show, guys. So expect us to be babbling about this thing for quite a while. Uh, so yeah, that's it. Spoiler warning. And three, two, one. All right, guys. Chronicle. Oh, oh my god. I gotta say this. There's been one question that World of Warcraft players have been asking for years. Yep. And that question is, how come the Titans let bad stuff happen? How come the Titans let the Legion do what they do? How come <laughs> the Titans don't come back and fix things? And we finally know the answer. Yep. They're dead. Well, yeah, pretty much. Like, the last part of what they were is on Azeroth now. In the various Titan Watchers. That's where their souls fled after Sargeras killed them. Yep. And it's interesting because it's entirely possible that they could regenerate somehow. Well, I mean, um, world souls, we don't know. Right now, Sargeras himself is also Sand's body. Sargeras is not in his body. So can his we... soul also out of his body. Just, I, I can't. You should do whatever you're going to do because I'm freaking out. Oh, my God. Yeah, what I think. What I think we should focus on here first is we know what the Titans are now. Yes. We, we've discovered exactly what they are. They are world souls. They're worlds that were out there in the cosmos and suddenly woke up. Um, yes. The first one that we know about is Amonthol. That's yeah. why he's the high father of the Pantheon, because he was the first one to wake up. He was the first one to wake up, and he went off in search of others, and he found others, and... That's what they've been doing. This whole ordering worlds thing. They aren't That's... necessarily ordering worlds for the sake of just like, oh, I think I'd like to install some sort of closet system here so things hang neatly. No, what they're trying to do is they're trying to find other titans, other world souls. And they're putting stuff in place to try and like wake, wake them, them up. up. 
Yeah, that was that was really interesting to me is the fact that we because we've been speculating. The universe is full of eggs. Well, yeah, the well, universe is full of potential eggs, not just all eggs, because not every world has the capability of becoming a titan. That Doesn't was have the a world other cool zone. thing was like it, <sighs> they said very specifically that they visited many worlds and they mm-hmm. planted all of this stuff there in the hopes that you know these dormant world souls would wake up, but they had no real way of telling whether or not there was a soul in there. So they just, they did it all over the place. They, they did it all over the place. So it's possible that Dranhor didn't actually have like a dormant world soul in it or anything. It was just, just one of those it. worlds that they came and tried. They yeah. came and tried and then said, it, it okay, seems like, nothing here, bye. <laughs> it seems like sapient beings are a byproduct of this. Yeah. Rather well, than it, a it, consequence it, of it. It seems like it's an intentional design thing, right? Like it it's, they're trying to create a perfect, uh, ecology right they're trying to create this perfect environment that will force this this soul to wake up so they're they're going with at least what they see as how they woke up so their planets probably had sentient life and those sentient lives consumed certain aspects of the prime elements that were designated whether it was light or dark uh any of the the other elements or spirit everything had to have a perfect balance in order to hatch so to speak well and that's, that's what they're trying to set up that's interesting, too, for another reason. I know Ann twigged on this immediately because she mentioned it on Twitter, I think, at some point. You kind of – you didn't just say it. You didn't blurt anything out. You couched it. But I know you caught the part about Azeroth being more than any of the previous Titans. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Because Fools directly states, no, this one, this guy is going to be big. This one is really, really, really strong. We they need to foster this one. One world above all others. Yeah, they knew Azeroth had a world soul. Uh, they knew it because it was so powerful that it was drawing in all of the spirit. Yep. And that's why the, the elements were in continuous conflict rather than at peace, because they didn't have that spirit element to draw from, uh, which which is huge. This is a this ties back into what Rathion said at the end of Throne of Thunder when you give him Li Shen's heart. Um, we it, must rebuild the final Titans. Yeah. It's the last one because all the other ones are dead. Yeah. It's just like you know. What Raden says, what's interesting too is because we now know, this is something that go, that caught my eye. We know what the Well of Eternity is. Do you want to talk about what the Well of Eternity is? Because then I, I have a thing about the, uh, the, no, the waters. No, of, no, you know. no. We're not going to go that far yet. Okay. What I want to talk about is... Go do what you want to talk we about. We know the, what the Titans are. We know what the Titans are. We know what their purpose is in the world. We know what Sargeras was up to when he was with the Titans. Um, there was this whole bleed over from the Twisting Nether and these demons that kept coming out and trying to, like, destroy things. So Sargeras was kind of set to fight those things. But then, And we figured out what happened with Sargeras. Like, exactly that, what happened with Sargeras. That was such a huge... Like, my jaw hit the ground. And it all ties into the old gods. And it makes perfect sense. So, Rossi, you want to talk about the Void? Well, we, we know that since we talked about this, we'll, we'll mention it the way Sargeras discovered it. Sargeras was dealing with demons, and that, that was, you know, yeah, they're destructive, whatever, I, I can confine them. I figured out, I understand enough about the Twisting Nether to confine them. So I made a place and put them in it, and that's fine. Then he discovered the Void Lords. And the Void Lords were kind of like, I almost want to call them Titan Predators. Yeah. Like the, Void, the Void Lords would see a, an ascient world soul and be like, we don't want that to happen. And they'd literally throw manifested void into our universe and it would manifest as these corrupted bubbles of protoplasmic horror and like they were the size of like mountains 
Then they'd, they'd hit a planet and start burrowing in. And they'd find the world soul and they'd kill it. Well, like, that was the thing is they didn't know which one's the world soul. That so like, oh, they the, just threw they, they just, just took, threw they took in, a shotgun approach. Yeah, I just threw them out into the cosmos. And if they hit a planet with the right you know circum I want to say the circumstance, but that's not it. The right conditions, they'd start feeding, and that's what makes an old god. An old god is this parasitic blob of pure void that is twisted into a physical creation, kind of like we were talking about how the Naru. The Naru actually manifest as light and shadow in our world, but that's not what's supposed to happen. The Void Lords don't manifest physically in our world. They make the old gods to do that for them. Yeah. Well, they and can't, that's, or at least well, they, not yet. They're not supposed to be able to, but the, but, you know, the, 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 they make the old gods instead. And Sargeras was like, what are these things? And he's like, wait a minute. If these things can exist, then they're just going to keep doing this. And... What happens to our universe? All the world souls, oh, 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 this is really bad. I have to figure out a way to stop this. But he isn't equipped to stop it. And he doesn't understand it. And the more he thinks about it, the worse it gets. It's like an itch in his brain that he can't figure it out. And finally he decides. And he, he goes to a – who's his sidekick again? Agonar? Agonar. Ag- yeah. Agrimar. Agrimar, yeah. He's like, Agrimar is basically doing all the fighting at this point because Sargeras is, was spending his time coming up with ways to trap demons. And Sargeras is like, you know, do you ever worry that we're, like, wasting our time? Agrimar's, no, we're doing great. You kidding me? Look at all these demons. He's like, yeah, but we're all, what about the Void Lords? I mean, they what can just... What about that other thing? <laughs> yeah, and the, the time's like, that's, yeah, we'll deal with that. Yeah. I, you got to tell him, one of us has to tell him about the actual the war with the, with the black empire and if i do it i'm going to be sputtering because i'm so excited so well i mean do we want to go back to the the turning point or do we want to go to like i mean do we want to go to sargeras's turning point a little bit more let's, let's go with his turning point joe you so, want yeah, to reiterate so, on that so what wound up happening is with agamar and sargeras going their separate ways because agamar is like oh i can fight on my own now and sargeras is like you know that's really good we should probably split up and and kind of double our efforts and we can go out and find different worlds and if something really terrible happens we can call on the other one we'll get together we'll join forces and we'll go and take care of it together cool cool they split up sargeras comes upon a world that has been completely infested with old gods and they have burrowed so deep that they had started corrupting the world soul on this planet where the Nothrazim, um, and I'm probably mispronouncing that, I apologize, but the Dreadlords, and Sargeras, Sargeras couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. So he captured them, tortured them, and got the information out of them that about the Void Lords and about the Old Gods and about how the entire thing about them shooting these primordial bits of goo into these planets to try to corrupt the world souls to create a dark titan so sargeras is often referred to as the dark titan he's not the dark titan so this is what started him on this this path because it's what do you do at that point you have this this nascent soul that is being completely corrupted that if it wakes up is being told that it's going to be more powerful than any titan that exists currently or together the pantheon won't be able to stand in its way and then it starts thinking if this can happen to one nascent world soul this can happen to all of them creation is inherently flawed because creation allows these things to exist. And here's the fun part. And this is what um, upset the Pantheon to begin with. He saw that this world soul was too far gone. So he made the choice to destroy the planet entirely and obliterated the world soul. And the Pantheon were furious. They were like, why didn't you wait? We could have found a way to fix it. And he was like, no, there's no way to fix this. 
there's no way to fix this once it's gotten this far. We need a game plan. We need something. And they were, like, understandably really ticked off because obviously, you know, there's a limited amount of these world souls out there. And he just killed one of them. Well, and the interesting thing here is because there's there's a very interesting disconnect between the two. And it's not that there was, like, a violent confrontation at this time between them. It was... Everybody's saying, we could have saved this soul. We could have purged the corruption. We could have made things better again. And Sargeras was like, no, you don't understand. No, you, you couldn't. See, you, you didn't see what I saw. You couldn't. And, I, and, this, and then he, he proposes. He literally proposes to the Pantheon that they ev- like eviscerate all life from the galaxy and scrub it clean. And start the, over. And start over because that's the only and, way to possibly get rid of the corruption. And the best part about his plan was this is exactly how he proposes it. We'll destroy all life in the universe. Life arose once, so possibly it might arise again. And even if, and even if it does, <laughs> even if it doesn't, it's better that we do that than allow the Void Lords to have a Dark Titan. It's better that we do that now, than the world or the universe come to what I saw. This is yeah. why this is important, though, too, is because now you realize, and this is for me, this was a jaw-dropping moment, Sargeras isn't crazy. He's not mad. No, he's not! He's not. He understands. He he understands in a way that the other Titans couldn't. And I've made this point before, but, yes. you know, I didn't know all the details, oh. but I was like, what What if Sargeras is actually right? What, if, what if there's... See, here's the thing. Uh, I'd argue... Does... The thing is, when I read that, what I got out of it is that not that he's crazy, but that he's proceeding from an assumption that no one can be better than him. Yeah. Well, Sargeras' assumption is, I couldn't fix it. Therefore, it can't be fixed. Not, Not, I couldn't fix it. Therefore, I should have called in the others and we should have tried together. Or he sees it, he looks at it, he says it can't be fixed because he couldn't fix it. Or what if it's a fact that he looks at the Pantheon and goes... Everything that they want to do and they stand for and the fact of what they're doing allows us to exist. And it's not that anybody's better than me and can't trouble exactly. It's just that their natures won't let them do anything other than this. And as a result, they will keep this cycle going. His assumption, though, his initial assumption comes the idea that he doesn't think they can fix it in the first place. He's initially arguing, you can't fix this. Then he starts, but sure. their nature, your nature means that you'll continue to try, and that'll create the problem. But he doesn't know they can't fix it because he won't let them try. And, and that's, that's the uh, point. From the beginning, he sure. will not allow anyone else to succeed where he has not. His ego is too big. And that's the thing. Because he's, he's a champion of the pantheon. Yeah. He, is the, he is an egomaniac because when Agonar comes to him, lays down his weapons and says, listen to me. There is a Titan greater than either of us. He, that was the point where he strikes him down. He doesn't strike Agonar down in their first confrontation. He kills him when he is defenseless in front of him because he dared to suggest that somebody is better than Sargeras. And I'm not saying that he didn't eventually drink his own Kool-Aid, but up front at up front, first. He's he still, from the beginning, when he confronts them and says, look what I've done, it can't be fixed. And they're arguing, no, we can totally fix it. And he's like, no, you can't. He will not accept the possibility. Well, he doesn't even let them try. But he doesn't even let them see it. They never even get to see it because he killed it first. Well, here, here's a great question about that then. If they can fix it and they knew about this and let's say they that... They didn't the, know about it until he told them. Until they told them he ran off. But there's yeah. been so many opportunity. There was opportunities past that point that they could have gone back and tried to fix it. They knew and what they, they were looking for and, then. And they did on Azeroth, didn't they? 
we don't know. Yeah, we do, because it says what happened in Azeroth. <laughs> we know exactly what happened when they came to Azeroth to keep the corruption from happening. They, they built engines for that purpose. The entirety of Azeroth's shaping is a response to Sargeras' confrontation with the Pantheon, the first one, not the second one. Well, it, Yeah, they found, what happened was they found Azeroth, and they said, wow, this is a really powerful world soul. Uh-oh, there's already these things on it. We should get rid of these things. Okay, well, let's come up with a plan to get rid of these things. So they yeah. came up with a plan. They they threw a bunch of Titan constructs down there to fight everything, and then um, do you well, that's we where we about? get that's where yeah. we get into the formation of the Well of Eternity. It's, because what happens is, the, yeah, let's go into the Black Empire. Go ahead, Rossi. Well, it's like it's really interesting because it ties into something Joe had said a couple months ago um, about Azeroth when you look at it as a system biological versus mechanical because what the Titans do is basically look at Azeroth and say okay this thing needs a defense system it doesn't currently the problem we have with these world souls is they're be, they're under attack from these parasites but they don't have a defense against the parasites because they're basically an egg they have not they don't yeah, have just, a living organism yet yeah they're we, dormant eggs we need to put a defense in place and they do. They sit down and each one of them comes up with a part of the defense and they start creating the defense. And the first thing they do is they take samples from the world and they use the samples from the world to create their defenders. And that's where the quote-unquote Titanforged come from. And every race that's a construct of the Titans is Titanforged. So the Vrykul, the Mogu, the Tolvir, the Earthen, the Mechanomes, I'm probably forgetting a couple, like the Giants, I'm sorry, the Giants... These are all Titan, the Anubisath. Those are also Titan constructs. And each of them serves a different specific purpose. Um, and some of these purposes are very similar. Like the Vrykul and the Mogu are both combatants. Except the Mogu are more of an escort. And the Vrykul are more of, of a aggressive thing. Like the Vrykul are meant to seek out and destroy. Whereas the Mogu are meant to protect. And, that's, and they have all this different stuff. And they create all of them. And they set them loose. Because... When when Azeroth was created, as we mentioned, uh, it had the nascent Titan soul inside of it, which was drawing on all the spirit essence, the, the element of spirit, the fifth element, if you want to call it that, which left Decay as the only one to influence the other four. So all the four classic elements, fire, earth, air, and water, are battling each other all over Azeroth because they don't have the countervailing voice saying no guys we can work together look if you heat water it makes steam yay we've cooperated they just have destroy so that's what they're doing then then and this is my favorite part of the whole thing then the void lords start start hucking old gods left and right throughout the cosmos and four of them hit azeroth that we know of at least four hit azeroth and they all hit in kalimdor and it's like game over for the elemental lords they they're they, they fight, they get together, they're like, hey, as much as I want to punch that stupid grin off your fiery face, Ragnaros, what in the hell is that? And Ragnaros is like, that is really bad. What is, is are let's, things let's coming out of Let's address this terrible thing before we yeah. get down to the important business of punching each other. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, talk about the formation of the Black Empire here. So, anyway, the four basically slam into Azeroth. One of them slams dead center. And that's the, the palace of Yashraj, which is itself Yashraj. The great thing about old gods is they are their own fortresses. Uh, this thing slams into Azeroth right dead center and starts spewing out. Uh, I can't remember the name of the faceless ones. Nal Nalakir? Nalakir? I, I could look it up, but it's it would take me a little while. Uh, those guys and the, and the Akir both get sprayed out. And they start 
just going into town on the elementals. Uh, and, and amazingly, the problem the elementals have fighting them is quite simple. Uh, they're intensely corruptive. So it's very hard to fight them because they, you know, you just you destroy more and more of them and just more and more of them keep coming out. And meanwhile, they're just they're disrupting and binding the elementals as they fight them. So eventually, even the four huge, you know, elemental lords found themselves bound to one of these four horrible old gods. Um, you charge in the center. Uh, Nisoth seems to be out somewhere in the water. Or do you think he was like, where do you think he was? He was, if I remember right on the map, he was on the eastern side of the map. Yeah, you're right. There is an actual map that has these old gods in it. He was the, a large swath. He was the eastern into the central eastern part. Yeah. And, and then we had uh, um, Yogg-Saron obviously to the north and uh, Cthulhu kind of where you know, he is now on Kalimdor, kind of to the south and west. Yeah. And so and Yashiraj, he was like dead center, but his reach extended south too. Almost yeah. coast to coast, yeah. Um, north to but south. he was, and we we now know, for instance, that Yashaj was the big dog. Oh, amongst absolutely. The, the, the old gods. He was, he was the one who was powerful enough to get Yogg-Saron and Cthulhu to do what he wanted, because those guys hate each other, and nobody likes Nazoth. Like nobody, nobody likes Nazoth. But you know, Yog, you know, Yashaj was so powerful, he'd be like, "You three do what I want, or I will eat you." And they're like, okay, yeah, he will. He'll totally eat us. So that's the Black Empire. Basically, it's their, these constant nightmare towers. They're the size of mountains, constantly spraying forth new minions to corrupt and defile the land, yeah. bubbling cauldrons of horrible tentacled flesh. And, I mean, I, I sound way too excited when I'm saying this. But they, you they, created, they created uh, the, the old gods. They created the Akir, obviously. Yes. Um, and then they also had the Faceless Ones. Mm-hmm. And those were the Naraki. You were right, Rossi. Um, and they were kind of like the overseers of yeah. the Akir, and the Akir were like the yeah. They came the Akir were like the Zerg. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's actually that's a really good way to look at it. Yeah. And so you had that basically happen. The old, the Titans looked at this and they're like, okay, uh, Sargeras was right that this is absolutely horrible, but I do think we can come up with a solution. So they created the Titan Forge and they started going to town. And at first, it didn't go great. Like, they were, like, fighting and fighting and fighting, and it wasn't getting them anywhere. And the fun part was, the fun part with this whole battle between the Titans and the Old Gods was the Titans, obviously, they're living planets. They're Mm -hmm. huge. They're so big. They're giants. So there's no way that they can go to Azeroth themselves. Um, So they created all of the constructs in the Titan Forge to do their work for them, to protect this planet. It's, it's a lot like if you went to a doctor. The doctor isn't going to physically reach inside your body to pull out cancer. At least not, you know, he's not going to step inside you to do it. He's gonna... it's, not, it's not inner space here, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, but what's really interesting is that finally the, the confrontation's going on. The Titan constructs are fighting fiercely, but, you know, they, they're still living beings. And the Titans regard them as living beings. They're not slaves. Like, these are, in a way, the Titan forged are the Titans' children. They They don't. The Titans are, this is all to make a new Titan, but the Titans don't just create these things and then think they're nothing. So they're, they're pretty concerned at watching all their, their creations get destroyed fighting this. Finally, Amatul's like, all right, I'm going to see about taking a hand personally. And as it's described in the book, literally his Titanic hand reaches down right. out of like space or whatever. I don't know, like, you know, did he open a warp? Did he just stride up? I don't know. But his he hand, comes, it. His <laughs> hand comes down and rips a weakened Yashaj out of the planet and crushes it and it basically explodes in an you know just it's as horrible as you can possibly imagine and then it's he like realizes a video then he re- realizes his mistake 
Because the world is bleeding. Yes. And uh, he looks down on his work and is like, oh, oh, oh me. They burrowed way, way too far into the world already. Yeah. Um, at which point they said, oh, we can't rip them out. We can't do this. We're going to have to, we have to figure out some other plan. And that's when they decided to, like, jail away the old Pass gods. And lock them away. Yeah. Yeah. Lock them so, away. Because you can't rip them out. If you rip them out, it's just going to tear the world apart. So they basically, keep in mind again, that at this point, Kalimdor is all one enormous continent. It's like everything you can see on the World of Warcraft map is one really big continent. There's no ocean between any of it at this point. So they now have this giant hole in the middle of it. And they're like, oh, um, ah, plan B. Yeah. So they're going to go, they go with containment, but they also have to staunch the bleeding because they just, basically this baby just got a huge hole in it. And that's like, you know, if you've ever had to watch a baby, that's like the one thing you don't want is big well, holes. I, mean, I, I hear holes in babies is a bad idea. Yeah. So, you know, they're, this is actually where the, the, the keepers step up and, and earn their keep. No, that was actually a pun. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Mimiron gets together with, uh, I believe it was, um, oh, I want to say it was Raden, but I don't remember who the other one was. I know Mimiron. Arcadis. Arcadis, that's right. It was Arcadis. Thank you. Uh, Mimiron and Arcadis get together and they create these two vast engines, mm -hmm. um, the Forge of Will and the Forge of Origination. And they plant them in the north and south. One is in what's the area around Alduar. It's called the Storm Peaks. The whole Storm Peaks is basically the home of this one Forge of Wills. And that one exists to create. You know, it's it's a creation forge. It creates more Titan Forged to help stabilize the planet, but it's also there to redirect the energies from the well. Otherwise, they're just gonna start cascading out of the well and onto the whole continent, and everything would just be mutated beyond recognition. Well, it was to me when I read that when I read that passage, what it seemed like was they healed that wound as best as With, they could and that yeah. kind of coalesced well, they, they into the well of eternity they, they, put, they, they put wards around it and they put it in balance and then they went ahead when they created the forge of wills and the forge of origination those were like to shape the world soul that was contained in there like the forge of wills was to kind of like um shape its sentience like its mind a little bit and kind of keep it connected and and like evolving as it were kind of wake it up yeah I, I thought to a degree too it was also the way they fixed the wound was to redirect its own energies back on itself so that the only thing it could do was heal itself yeah that's, that's it how seems... this passage read right to me. they pretty much yeah. kind of calmed everything but i think yeah. that that when they put in the forge of wills and the forge of origination it wasn't so much to keep the well of eternity in check as it was to help shape that world soul that had been wounded the one that was in the middle of azeroth what was also interesting to me was the discussion about the uh, the two engines and the fact that they both have a fail safe which i thought was interesting is the fact is they even accounted for the fact that there might be a potential for the corruption on the world to get to a point where it can't be maintained in balance or it can't be put in check. And I thought that was kind of interesting that and we, we kind of already knew a little bit about that just from, you know, raids and, and, and quests in the game. But if things get so bad, absolutely so bad that it can't be salvaged, the engines will completely scrub all life from the face of the world. From the face of the world. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, right. From the inside. Right. Of the no, world. no. It won't destroy the world. It will basically just reset the surface life. It's going to gonna disinfect the planet. 
And there's also this is also where we got this is where the um the uh, Emerald Dream is created this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not it, it this is the moment that they said okay we need the Emerald Dream. Uh, this is when they create the four elemental planes because while the elementals are not responsible for the old gods or for what the old gods did to them, they didn't exactly help. Well, that's the thing is the elementals are not capable of coexisting with each other unless they start tapping the spirit energy and there's no way they can let them tap the spirit energy because the world soul needs it. Right. So if you remove them from that, there's a, yeah, yeah, there's a lovely passage in here about the Emerald dream that says that, okay, well, first off, let's back up a minute. Um, cause we're talking about Freya and Mimiron and all of them. These are the keepers, right? When, uh, when the Pantheon arrived at Azeroth and, and found the black empire and decided to create like soldiers, they, they created this army of servants from Azeroth. And that was the veneer and the, how do you pronounce that? Acer? Easier, yeah. Easier, okay. Yeah. And then they also created the the Titan Watchers, as we know them, and kind of um, these guys were basically there to lead the armies, but mm-hmm. they also imbued the Watchers with a little bit of their own power, kind of like uh, what we thought had happened with the Aspects, where the Aspects got a little bit of the Titans' power. So did these Watchers. So. Um, Amenthal did, what was it? It was Odin and Keep, High Keeper Ra. Yeah, those are Amenthal's. And then Kazgaroth, it was Arcadus. And Arcadus, if, you, if you're wondering who Arcadus is, he's the guy that was in... Oldemon. Uh, Oldemon, thank you. I was like, it's one of the old places. Yeah. <laughs> the ULD places. And then uh, Goldenesh did Thorum and Hodir. Uh, Ionar did Freya. Norganon went ahead and did Mimron, but he also did Loken which I yep. think is really interesting. And then Agrimar, Agrimar the champion in Sargeras's absence, he was the one that was responsible for Keeper Tear. Um, and what I find interesting too is that Ra, Ra was the one who was listed as High Keeper in mm-hmm. this instance. And when we talk about Ra, we're talking about who would eventually become Ra Den. Yes, um, because Ra Den is just Mogu for Miss Master Ra. Right. So these yeah. Titan Watchers were basically shaping things and kind of keeping this injured world soul safe and, you know, maintaining the well. And Freya was the one that was responsible for the Emerald Dream. And there's a there's a quote here and it says, Some believe that Freya wove the Emerald Dream into being from nothing. Others claim that this strange place had always existed in some form, a dream born from Azra's slumbering world soul. It is said that Freya tapped into this realm and molded what would become known as the Emerald Dream as a way to commune with the nascent Titan. Which is fascinating because that ties into what we're going to see in um, Valshara pretty well, if you th- if that's the truth. Well, and the, and the other part is, like, every time I read through this book, I, like, find little bits and pieces of things that reference, like, tinfoil hats I had at one point <laughs> in time or another. And one of the ones that I wrote was, who is dreaming the Emerald Dream and what happens when they wake up? And the answer to that is, the planet. The planet is dreaming the Emerald Dream. And I don't know what happens when that planet wakes up. That's that's the other that's the other kind of like jaw dropping part about all of this is our characters, all of these big heroes that we've created and evolved on Azeroth, and all of these big heroes like Thrall and Malfurion and Varian Rin and you know even Gen Greymane and all the big names on Azeroth are so 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 small 
in comparison to what is really going on on this world. I mean, heck, even the the keepers and the watchers and in all of our puny gods are technically small compared to what's actually happening. They're so small compared to what's actually going on with this world, and it's kind of like it's it's almost incomprehensible to think about, but it's also really really cool because in establishing this balance, right? And in establishing what happened with Sargeras and the Pantheon and what Azeroth really is, they've kind of opened up this backstory and almost expanded it to a point where there are more tinfoil hats to talk about. Oh, yeah. Which I was afraid. I was afraid that they were going to clarify everything. And it was like, oh, well, now we're not going to be able to guess anything anymore. No, 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 no. There's so much in here, like, left kind of vague. We should actually, foil hats will always find a way. But we since, should, we're, since we should talk about, therefore, what happened with Sargeras and the Yeah, Titans. that's what I was going to say. We should just go ahead and move on and talk about... Because obviously, you know, uh, Sargeras, when when he destroyed that, that world soul and he kind of like got into heated arguments with the Titans about this, he, he took off. And when they finished like doing what they were doing with the Black Empire and everything else, they were like, look... Look, we can fix this. Cool. Okay, we need to go tell Sargeras. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was Agrimar who found him, and Agrimar didn't find him. He wasn't looking for Sargeras at that moment. Yeah. Uh, Agrimar found that uh, Sargeras, in his madness, had gone to the world he had created in the Twisting Nether. Because at first, when he first started confronting the demons, Sargeras didn't know how to stop them, really. Like, he noticed, well, I killed those guys, but they're back. That's weird. Didn't I kill those guys? I know I did. Okay, I'll kill them again. Wait a minute, they're back again. I know I killed you that last time. I pulled you in half. Okay, this time I'm really going to kill you. He's back again. What? So finally he was like, okay, they keep coming back from the Twisting Nether. So I need to do something to the Twisting Nether to hold them. And he did. And he created the prison world Mardoom and planted it in the Twisting Nether and put them on it. And they couldn't get off of it, but their very presence there was twisting it into a horrible fell fell cursed nightmare with volcanoes of fell and it's just you know as horrible as you'd expect a planet full of trapped demons to be and so corrupted and fiery that it could be seen from other planes of existence yeah and as a result of all this when he finally realized or came to his idea that the void lords had to be stopped and that they couldn't be stopped unless you just destroyed everything he, that the way yeah. they have nothing to corrupt he said yeah. what is the most destructive force that i have at my disposal mm-hmm and the answer to that was everything that's kicking right now in Mardum. Yeah. And what's really fascinating, too, is that in the time that he'd been studying the demons, he's, he'd progressed in his knowledge. Sargeras knows how to kill them and make it stick. Uh, and so he goes to them and says, I got, I've got, i got an idea. You just you let me know what you think of this. I will kill every single last one of you for good. Or? Or? You can do what I want. And help me wipe the universe clean of all life. Eh? You just tell me what you think. And they were like, well, how do we know you can do what you say? Well, how would I do this? And he rips Mardum apart. And, and in, in so doing... Yeah. Oh, no, you, you tell this one. You tell this one. I love this one. When he, when he ripped apart Mardum, he... For the God's like story hour. I'm so excited. <laughs> he pretty much, when he ripped apart Mardum, he created like this... this vent this bound he like ripped the boundary between the great dark beyond like outer space and the twisting nether um and he was caught in the backlash from that so 
that's when Sargeras became Sargeras because he was consumed in fell fire and like lit from within. Um, there's, oh, where is it? Oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, violent energies enveloped Sargeras, surging through his veins and searing his very soul. His eyes burst in gouts of emerald fire. Fell volcanoes ignited across his once noble form, splitting his skin apart and revealing an endless furnace of blistering hate. Okay, so yeah. the guys that wrote this book. <laughs> uh, they know how to describe there was you... Chris Metzen, there was Matt Burns, and there was Robert Brooks. And, you know, props to you guys, because this is, like, very colorful right here. And I really appreciate all of this beautiful language. But, yeah, uh, that's when Sargeras became Sargeras. And I love the thought of, like, literal vault. Because these guys, like I said, you know, they're world souls. They're living planets, pretty much. So volcanoes yeah. erupting on his skin, that's just, like, so evocative. I, I can't get so... over it. When when they did this, he, the the demons originally just agreed because he could kill them. But he took him to the first place, and they confronted a Titan Constellar, who is basically like the Constellars. Uh, yeah, the the Constellars are like Algalon, and they're yeah. basically like um, the watchdogs of the universe. They check on the 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 worlds that the Titans have ordered. Yeah. And like. so they confront this guy and take him out and destroy the the system and without even demons, blinking, like it's just. Poof, he's gone. And the demons are like, oh, we can win now. Oh, this is good. I we like, like this. <laughs> I like winning. Winning is good. Uh, let's winning follow... is so much better than getting our butts kicked. Yeah. Let's, let's follow Crazy McCon Fireface. He he knows what he's doing. He knows what's what, and he's just so, sort of letting us tear things. He wants us to tear things apart. This guy's cool. So uh, they, they forgive it's him. It's like for... the worst Disney film ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like the weas- it's like the weasels from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I was going to say, it's like, uh, it's like the hyenas with Scar. <laughs> So they, they forgive him for the whole locking them up for eternity thing because they're out now and they're smashing stuff. Uh, this is when Agrimar finds them mm-hmm. after they've already taken out one like a, because, a tight system because they t- they killed the Constellar. And he's he like, kind of notified that it winked out of existence and was like, what's up with that? Then he went to go find out what was up with that. And then he found out what was up with that. And at first, you know, it's the typical thing. Agrimar kills a, a buttload of demons and then he's killing and killing and killing. And he comes upon Sargras. He's like, there's so many demons. What happened to you? All right, now you got to tell me what the hell's going on, because you look all weird and stuff, and this is all... What's going on? They get into their... They have their initial argument where Sargras is just not hearing what Agrimar is putting out. And Agrimar's like, no, things are cool now. You, We totally have a... No, why are you... you know? And they get into their big fight. And this is where Agrimar finds out that Titans are uniquely vulnerable to fell, fell magic. That it is effectively their kryptonite. Yeah. And that Sargeras is now a Titan fueled by kryptonite, so he kicks Agrimar's butt. Like, it and is not even close. Last week, we were talking about that whole, you know, there was the uh, cosmology chart and how Fel was kind Opposing of opposite forces. arcane on that spectrum. Yeah. yeah. There's, the Titans just don't have a good defense against no, this. No. Agrimar fights not. valiantly, uh, and he does manage. The two of them smash their swords together, and in the process, break them. And Agrimar is hideously wounded but sargeras is driven back agrimar takes the opportunity to take get the heck out of there he's like i need backup Uh, and he goes to the pantheon and says uh you won't believe what's happening with sargeras and they're like sargeras our ancient friend what has he been up to he's killing everything you know all that stuff that you had him lock up yeah he let that go (laughs) 
Yeah, and it's the, kind of on his side now. He's all about making omelets all of a sudden. He wants to break every egg in the universe. We every should probably get on that. The, you remember when he was saying that we should just wipe out all life? Well, you remember how we said, well, no, you shouldn't do that? He's gone and done it anyway. Yeah. And we and should do something about it. They they take the they basically the entire pantheon girds itself and heads out to, to look up Sargeras at this point. I can't remember the actual name of the world, I just remember it's called the Doom World. And Nihilum. Yeah, Nihilum the Doom World. That's at the time it wasn't called the Doom World, it was just called Nihilum. They they confront him there. And he does stop to listen to them. They do talk first. Agrimar which is also tells partially him, a problem. Yeah. Agrimar <laughs> Agrimar tells him he's like, Look, we found a world soul. We found a world no, that soul was, more powerful. That was that was Amonthol. Amonthol starts the or conversation. Amonthol, yeah. Amonthol says we found a world soul, and it's more powerful than any of us. And if anything has stands a chance to like fight these void things you were really concerned with, it's that. And you know, we spent all this time protecting that. And he like Sargeras listened to the whole thing. Like he listened to that, and it, like didn't even. Blink. And then Ag- <laughs> like it didn't even it just it just went in one ear out the other. He didn't care. And then Agrimar started in. He was like, you know what? I, I I think that there's probably some piece of the my you know, my friend, my mentor, my teacher still in there somewhere. I'm gonna go ahead and appeal to him. And he starts talking about all these, you know, glorious battles that they had and all the That works about they as did. well as after Jaina. laying down his weapons. Oh yeah. yeah. That works about as well as Jaina. Asking the Lich King if there's any part of Arthas left in yeah, no, I just and that's didn't, when, mm, no. And, that, and that's when Sargeras said, you know what, nah, I'm just kind of done. And completely... Cle- Obliterated. He cleaved Agamar in two. In two, just... And then like, he... felt like a planet. He's really into splitting things in half. Yeah, and this is where the basically we have a four-on-one fight between the other four remaining Titans and uh, Sargeras. And that's where they find out, A, he is now made of kryptonite, and B, he, they, the thing is, is these world souls are beings of, of consciousness. Yeah. They're conceptual entities. They're not... We, we use terms like world souls and like they're, that are planet size, but they're beyond that. They're beings they're of thought. They're massive. And because of this, Sargeras wants to kill them. They don't want to kill him. They want they want Sargeras back, the Sargeras they knew. Mm-hmm. But he's he's gone. He has destroyed himself. He has unmade himself because he doesn't believe anything but that will be sufficient. So he kills them, all four of them. He takes them on and wins because they're not capable of really fighting him. And well, once, yeah. once they're dying, I mean, he pretty much encases them in a fell storm. storm. Yep. And and showers them with kryptonite if we want to keep using that analogy. Um, yeah, Norganon, that's a pretty good one for this. You know. Yeah, Norganon made like one last ditch effort to save them all, and he like bent the energies of the universe pretty much. And yeah, it says I think that's exactly what it says. Yeah, yeah Norgon, and- Norgon bent the raw energies of the universe to his will. Yep, that's exactly what it says. Yeah, and and basically he like. Uh, encased each of the each of the spirits of these of these titans and sent them out across the universe away from Sargeras and it was like the last pieces of what they were and um those are souls those they are those those pieces those pieces eventually arrived on Azeroth and joined with the keepers who had no idea what was going on had no idea what was going and on had I'm no gonna idea I'm going to say this you want to talk tinfoil hat theories 
Yeah. There's a reason Loken went nuts. Yeah. And this is the moment. This is totally why. Because he had no bloody idea how to process a god. No. You know, it's like the keepers are exceptionally powerful entities, uh, especially compared to a mortal, but they're not gods. Well, I mean, you got to think about it, right? You're taking something that was born from a planet and you're shoving it into something that can fit. On a, a planet. building, no, not even on a planet. In a Phenomenal building, on a planet. Yeah. So I mean that that yeah. does, that's enough to drive anyone batty, especially when you have multiple voices like kind of talking in your head. There's, there's another thing. I, this is the reason I wanted to get through this because there's something that that gets mentioned in the book. When this happens, the various keepers react in different ways. Yeah. Highkeeper Ra is the only one who figures out what happened, mm-hmm. and he's shocked, and, and he takes it out of himself. Yeah. Now, the Well of Eternity is the result of a wound in the world soul of Azeroth. The waters of the Avail of Eternal Blessed Blossoms are not. No. They are Amonthul's soul. That was horribly awesome. It was amazing, <laughs> though. It was like, it's all Titan blood. That's why, that's why when we, you and I were arguing this one forever, not arguing with each other, just going back and forth in iterations of it, we're like, it's the same thing. It's got to be the Well of Eternity water. No, wait, and it's it, not it, the same thing because, yeah. da, 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 you know. And we did that and we were both right because it is the same, but it's not the same. It's, it's two not different entities. Same. Yeah. It's from Amon Thule. And it's, is it is essentially creepy beyond all. So creepy. Well, I mean, especially when you consider that, like, the, the veil had that also that lovely little uh, designation of being the containment slash research and development zone on how to deal with old gods to begin with as well. So it's like this weird sort of center for everything. So moving on here, though, fun story. After Sargeras finishes this fight and comes out triumphant and, you know, does that fist pump while walking across the football field, um, he he realizes that the Legion, for all of its power, because it is powerful... I um, just killed four Titans. I think we're doing pretty good, guys. He's not quite able to control it as readily as he would like to. Like, the the demons are great at destroying things, but they don't exactly listen to orders. They were very useless. They were useless in the Titan fight. A lot of them them died. A lot of them just wiped out. So he's like, okay, I need to come up with a way to kind of organize these guys. And that's when he went to Argus. Yeah. So this this all like ties together, and the thing that I appreciate about this is it gives a much more um, there's there's much more of a, a shaping of that timeline, like that ancient timeline. Because when Sargeras goes to Argus, he finds Velen. That's how old Velen is. Mm-hmm. Velen mm-hmm. is so ancient. <laughs> What's really, too, and not only is that interesting, not, do we also get an idea of the difference between the three triumvirs? Like, you, you get a piece of the what Argus was like when Sargeras comes to it. You also get a sense that Sargeras comes to Argus after that fight, so he's not himself all the way. He isn't super Sargeras. He's no. Sargeras who's just been through a big fight, and he's thinking tra- tactically. Yeah. You know, and that's great. I love that. I like the idea of you know Sargeras not just being a brute all the time. Also, he's not a brute. He's clever. He is so. Yeah. Clever. He's like it, this is all, in a way. Sargeras is very Titan about his fall into evil. <laughs> he's very Titany well, about it, in that he's still. I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, but he's still he's still being progressively logically okay. 
I, I've now I've now annihilated my enemies. I now need a control system for my army of demons. Okay, I will so go to the smartest people in the universe. Yeah, let's let's kind of keep it contained to like Argus and also our thoughts on this whole origin story of the universe and everything else. Because we got about we got about fifteen minutes or so left here. Um, so I don't want to like get too far into oh let's talk about Logan's betrayal or you know the no no no, no. let's, oh, let's save that for next time. About, you guys, you, know, you guys, what I need to what I need to stress here though for those of you that are listening to this podcast is if you have not ordered this book and you are a fan of Warcraft lore, if you have not ordered this book, you are insane. Because this is the tiniest fraction. This is like maybe a handful of pages from this book, and it's You're already digesting this thing. It, oh we're, yeah, we're, yeah. This, we're is, like, this is TLDR. We're we're giving you. Trust me. Yeah, and it's 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 so beautifully written, and I mean. If you're not, like, really huge into Warcraft lore, this might be a little bit, like, on the heavy reading side. Just because it's not like a novel where you have characters and, you know, there's dialogue going back and forth. It's very much like an encyclopedia or, a you know, like a history book, that kind of thing. But it's absolutely fascinating. And there's so much in here. This is, like, the tiniest, tiniest bit of the first part. When I said that we were going to be talking about this for months... We're going to be talking about this for we, months. We're going to be talking... It's going to take so long to get through this whole book. And I know... I, I don't know about Rossi, but I know, as for me, I do plan... I mean, I'm doing, like, Overwatch lore for a while here because I like Overwatch. But at the same time... um. I know. Mondays, I want to get into like what's in this book. <laughs> Monday's KYL because it on request anyway is the old gods. If you don't think this book is coming into that, you're out oh, of your it, bloody mind. Yes. Make sure that you put a spoiler warning on there, Rossi, oh, just yeah, because there's... the book doesn't come out until Tuesday. Yeah. But like, it, it's it's you need this book if you yeah. if you're a fan of Warcraft lore, you need this book because this is this is this is the book that lore fans have been clamoring for for years. I remember way, guys. specifically. Go ahead. No, I'm just going to say, let me put it this way. We are on the events of page 52. Mm-hmm. That's, and we've jumped a lot. We have we've jumped a lot. And, like we, we have skipped we, a lot of We skipped meat. a lot of sections about like the Titan. This book has 167 stuff. pages. So, and they're big pages. They're not small. Yeah, I think we've touched on maybe like... Because we've skipped around a lot. I think I think that we've touched on like maybe 20, 30 pages, if that. I haven't even, we haven't even got into chapter like chapter three yet. I think no. we're we're solidly in the middle of chapter. And we didn't really we didn't really go into the whole cosmology thing because oh, we kind of talked about that. that a little bit last week. But we're I mean, going to have to go into a little more in depth at some point. But that's another hour this, or so. Yeah. Of this 167 page book, the pages are huge. We have covered maybe about 15 pages of the book today. If you wanted new lore, if you wanted to know new lore, this is the book. This is the book that lays oh. out everything. It's not even just new lore. If you wanted explanations of those things that you've seen in game, like the pillars in, you know, Sholazar and the pillars in, in, oh God, why can I never, uh, never remember down in Sylvus the other Goro. If you wanted explanations of like that, Jason, yeah, yeah. If you wanted explanations of why the world is ordered like it is, of why things are exist either, why there's certain, you know these weird statues and formations like it's not just because the developers were like oh you know this would be cool here there's a there's reasons and they're yeah. all explained here and i will say that i remember distinctly blizzcon 2008 there was a lore panel and i sat there and i remember that no less than five to six people got on that mic and asked specifically when are we going to get something that gives us an order of 
everything that's happened in the past up to current day. And they all looked at each other and they smiled. They knew back then that they were going to be doing this at some point. And we finally got what we asked for all those years ago. Yeah. Uh, this is everything we've asked for. Want to know right now? Here's I'll give you a reason to buy this book. Very concise. The frontispiece and the back piece. Yeah. Oh yeah. The frontispiece is ancient Kalimdor, to to a certain scale. The back piece is current Azeroth to the same scale. If you ever wanted to look at exactly how much got blown up. This right there. This is what it looked like. This is what it looks like now. There are massive chunks of land beneath yeah. the ocean. I and mean, if you, if you want to know where the Broken Isles are, guess what? They're right there. here. I have it, them right here. The, I know the, where they are. The fun part. The fun part about this, though, is with those two maps, it made it very, very blatantly clear that it, the the Well of Eternity, when the Well of Eternity went through its big implosion type thing that happened, right? It didn't actually like blow the continents apart or anything. Nope. So much as it just sucked in the entire middle of Kalimdor. So imagine a stretch of land stretching from the east coast of Kalimdor to, you know, the west coast of the of the Eastern Kingdoms. That used to exist. It used to be there. Mm-hmm. It's not there anymore. I mean, we we should have known this because it's always been called an implosion. Yeah, but. And we oh. always just thought such a titanic thing would have moved the continents further apart. Well, it and didn't. I didn't think of it like that large because, I, I mean, when I tried to piece together, when I tried to piece together ancient Kalimdor, because um, I, 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 like, on my first blog before I started writing for um, the old website, uh, I put together kind of like a mock-up of what pre, pre-sundering Azeroth would look like, like pre-sundering Kalimdor, and... What I essentially did was I took the continents as they existed and kind of fit them together where I, I thought they that. went. But I'm missing like a giant chunk out of the middle. And of course, Pandaria didn't exist at that time either. So it's much smaller than what, what's actually in the book. But <laughs> yeah, because there was no way to know no. that how it worked. And now you can look at it. What really amazes me is you look at it and you look at the distance between, say, modern Kalimdor and Northrend. Right. And, you know... Even I, if I, what if I was trying to rebuild this just from the, the map I have here, I would have moved them all together. Because why wouldn't you? You know, they even kind of look a little bit like they might fit together in places. But no, it, what's happened is the 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 center whirlpool, the uh, the maelstrom, literally pulled in most of the stuff into the the ocean, and it's it's on the bottom of the ocean. And it makes sense if you think about it too, because I mean, if you look at like scar tissue of a living creature, it tightens up. It puckers. It goes together, not apart. Yeah. This is just fascinating, though. Just just looking at, like, looking at Pandaria and realizing that Pandaria would not have survived. Um, it wasn't, like, essentially, Pandaria only exists because of the, the Shah. Because I, the mist. I'm giving you guys, yeah. you guys um, in, in Skype here. That's the link to the map that I made. Oh, yeah. I and remember. you can, yeah, well, you can see where I laid out. I was like, this is where, okay, so this is where the Imani would be. This is where the Gurubashi would be. And I didn't even take the Xandalar into, like, consideration. But if you take this map and, like, stretch it out to actually fit the whole, th- I-, I wasn't that far off. No, you weren't. <laughs> it's just amazing to me, like, to, to think about, too. We, we haven't even covered, like, all the, the various sentient races of Azeroth. Oh, no, we haven't. And, and, um, the other thing that I really appreciate about this book is that 
it fills in all that stuff about the Mogu and the Pandaren mm-hmm. and, and, and Raden and all of those really fascinating things that were introduced in Mr. Pandaria, you know, that raised all these questions. Um, and yeah, I, I think we need to start wrapping it up here. But um, Rossi, what, if you could pick like one thing out of this book that was your favorite. Uh, oh, well, I mean, God, so much of it is stuff I really love, but I'm going to pick a small thing just because it's a small little thing that doesn't change the world and doesn't, it's not a huge lore revelation, but I liked figuring out which of the Toran races was first. And it was the Yongal. I was going to say, because there was a first one. The Yongal were the first Toran. Uh, the Toran as they exist now, um, the, the, the funny thing is that the proto Yongal weren't like the Yongal we see in, in Mists of Pandaria. They were just nomads and hunters, but because of the pressure they were under, they evolved in a certain direction. The Yongal, the Torrent that we have today are a result of exposure to the Well of Eternity, which makes sense because if you look at the Torrent and the Night Elves, they are mirrors to each other. In a lot of senses, they are reflections of each other. And it makes sense that they would be since they both formed around this big reflecting pool. They, they have like similar religious beliefs, uh, similar spins on those religious beliefs. It's just mm-hmm. really fascinating to me. I, I'm really... I'm going to shut up about it at this point, but that, that it's a nice little moment. And it's something we've, I wanted to know for years. So yeah, that right there. And Joe, I'm going to, I'm going to limit mine to just what we've talked about so far. And honestly, that is going to be my jaw dropping moment of the revelation that Sargeras's descent into madness was almost deliberate and that it really isn't madness. Just he's consumed by his, one, his ego, and two, his fear. And it's not that he's crazy, because he's still really brilliant. And, you know, we talk about things like how he... We haven't talked about it specifically yet, but uh, when we talk about how he appeared to to the Draenei, and it makes me wonder, because they don't exactly spell it out, but I'm wondering if he appeared in the form of a Naru. And the reason I say that is because they knew about the Naru beforehand. And even even Velen in that that little section talks about how he communed with an artifact and was given these visions. And it was an artifact that was given to his people like eons ago by the Naru. They know that he exists. Nothing says Sargeras didn't know about that. He knows a lot of pirate ghosts. He's been around for, well, forever. Joe, language. Sorry. I'm going to have to pirate ghost you. I am so sorry. That's okay. Go ahead. He knows about a lot of stuff, and it's been around for a long time. So he knows that that would exist. And so he's like, how do I corrupt these people? How? And he just goes and he's, he's like, oh, this will work. He's brilliant. He's not just a madman. There is a method to his madness. And that, yeah. to me, is an amazing revelation because for years we've all thought that he's just like this in- absolutely insane, tortured soul. Uh, no, he's he's just evil. And he's he, he I honestly feel like with Sargeras, it's, he comes from a he made a bad I, I want to say like he made a bad calculation and everything he does comes from that error so yeah i know i know you're telling me to shut up i'll shut up i'm sorry he, he made so a excited. series of uh poor life choices mm-hmm. um i think man i i it's hard to pinpoint see i told you guys to pinpoint just one and i'm having a hard time just pinpointing one <laughs> um I, book I, is a lays bag man it's just too many chips well yep. yeah it, it's uh you can't, you can't have just one man you can't eat just one um i i think what i appreciated you know not just in the book, but as far as the book as a whole, is that it filled in these blanks, but in doing so, it expanded the universe farther than it was before. And 
there there was a point in time where I said, you know, if we defeat Zargeras, then that's it. That's endgame. We're done. No. There's something worse than Sargeras out there. Like, way worse than Sargeras that we haven't even, like, glimpsed yet. We've seen, like, the smallest piece of what's there. These old gods, these, you know, you think that, that, like, Cthulhu was huge or you think that Yogg-Saron was huge when we were fighting these guys. No, that was, like, one little piece of this gigantic pustule that's living, like, embedded in the world. We We didn't kill them. Or if we did kill them, then it's just like this rotting thing down there. But I don't, I don't think we killed them. I think oh. we just whacked off that particular portion of it. Mm-hmm. No, um, we absolutely didn't. There's no way Cthulhu is dead. So it's there's it's, no way. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We are not a titan. No way. It's interesting to me how much like by defining this like cosmic portion of as of of Warcraft's like universe as far as that goes, they've actually expanded it enough that there's so much left there to explore and yeah. um i really appreciate that <laughs> you know what you know what it did for me what it made me seriously think like the naru go from light to dark cycles mm-hmm. and you get like entropius but entropius isn't really a void god no he's like a void state naru but the thing is is like this all kind of ties into that tinfoil hat i did where i was like what if the old gods are actually like naru that were corrupted by the curse of flesh and and i'm wondering it's like so are Naru part of this whole void cycle thing? Is that, or are they just like its counterpart? How does that work exactly? It's like, if there's, is there something, that's the thing that makes me wonder though. If we have the void gods, the void lords living in the, in the shadow plane that can send these things forth, who's to say there's not light lords Yeah. that are sending the Naru into our cosmos? Like a loon. No. Um, <laughs> Honestly. I, that, that was the other part that I appreciated about the book. Not once. Everybody, please breathe a sigh of relief. Not once was it addressed what Elune actually is. No, they did not say Elune was a Naru. No, they didn't say that Elune wasn't a Naru. They just simply ignored that. <laughs> Elune exists. That's all we know. They talked about Elune a little bit. Did not define what Elune was or anything else. And um, there were like some implications. We can get into that next time, though, because I, like I said, you know, um, next time I, I feel like we should talk about what's happening on Azeroth as far as like the Titan keepers and their struggles and the stuff that happened with Loken and what happened after those, that, that last, those last vestiges of the, of the Titans spirits like slammed into these keepers. Like what happened after that? Because that's just fascinating. Yeah. Are we good with that? Oh yeah. I'm good with that. You pretty much for the next foreseeable future, I'll just show up and be like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, um, if you have not if you have not pre-ordered World of Warcraft Chronicle, you can pre-order that on Amazon. Um, and they have it available for Kindle as well as the hardcover. Um, I'm really grateful that I have a hardcover. I need to find space on my bookshelf for it. But seriously, if you're at all a fan of Warcraft lore, you need this. You just you need this. <laughs> it's an amazing book. Anyway, it let's really go ahead is. and wrap it up. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And I'd also like to reiterate for the record, um, if you have any questions about what we discussed in today's show, please feel free to email them to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Just in the subject line, mention Lorewatch, and maybe we can like answer one of those next time. Yeah, 
Oh, sure. If we get any of those. So, yeah, if you guys have any questions or, or want to know more about a particular thing or want us to expand on something, please feel free to email us. Um, Rossi, final thoughts? Uh, I know I know why Lordaeron is named that now. Yeah, <laughs> which is also pretty cool. Joe, final thoughts? This book made me so excited that I've broken my own PG rating. That's how good this is. <laughs> That's it from us. I'm Ann Stickney, and we will see you guys in two weeks. 